If my husband would just pray with me, he wouldn't be able to handle me. He'd be crying uncle long before the night is through. What she's saying, before you touch my body, touch my soul. If you're praying over me and for me, she goes, it's natural for me to respond to you physically. And I've heard that from wives time and time again. As guys, we kind of divorce sex from everything else. You're a man of strong passion, a warrior of great courage, designed and created to conquer, to crush it in singleness and marriage, to master fatherhood, finance, and health. You were made to reign in life. Gentlemen, welcome back to the Made to Reign podcast. I'm your host, Ray Delanues. This introduction is going to be a little different just because I've already started this conversation and I want you to get right into the second part of this. If you haven't done so already, please, please, please go ahead and check out the first part of this podcast episode. It is so important that you get the foundation that he was laying before as you enter into this next portion. And I know that you will be blessed. I made the decision to split these up because I feel like men need to devour these in chunks and just kind of go back and seek the Lord in each of these things that maybe Holy Spirit is speaking to you. So do keep your eyes open. Keep the eyes of your heart open for what Holy Spirit is trying to show you. Open up your ears and just pray for that right now, um, that he would show you new things, that he would show you things that are going to be in your marriage to come. If you're not married yet, uh, one day, I, maybe you do hope to get married and maybe in your current marriage or if you're engaged and you're on your way. So gentlemen, be blessed. I want to get back to the conversation we were having with Gary Thomas. I called my wife and I asked her, hey, could you go to the front office and pick up a package before they close? And she's a little frustrated. She's got all three kids Uh and uh, she's doing all the laundry because I was gone for a week. So she's finally doing all the laundry. (laughs) And she says to me, I'm a little busy right now. I can't go into the office. I can't do that. I get a little frustrated. I'm like, you're literally going to pass the office, you know, just can you do that? And I realize I'm on my way, like trying to connect with Holy Spirit. Like I'm got, I'm going to talk to Mr. Gary Thomas today. We're going to talk about sacred marriage. <laughs> and I'm sitting, I'm like, wait a minute, I'm missing something here. And what we do, what we do so often, yeah. this is, this is such a young man thing. And I, I know, um, older men can also, you know, show this too, but we're like ready to crush the world. We're ready to go after it. But we forget that the light that shines the farthest is the light that's actually the brightest at home. And I'm just sitting here like, man, I'm thinking I want to reach these men who are going to listen to this podcast. I'm thinking I'm going to have this holy conversation and hold on a second. Let me focus inwardly. Let me focus on the home. What do you think about that? Well, it's I think it's where it it's proven. Let me put it this way. If somebody if I had an employee, let me use this as an analogy, and they were a great employee and they might even be making me rich. Yeah. And maybe they're making me famous somehow. But he's married to my daughter and he's abusing my daughter or he's neglecting my daughter. I don't care about anything he's doing at work. Yeah. Because that's my daughter. Yes. And so I'm thinking, if you want to show respect for me, if you have any affection for me, you take care of my daughter first and then we'll talk. Yeah. And if God is our most important audience, and if you're ignoring his daughter to supposedly serve him, 
Yeah. That's his nonsense. That's right. just nonsense to him. He says, no, you can't get closer to me. You know this, right? Y- your kids, are they boys or girls? I got two boys and a girl in the middle. So, so, you know, you, you know, it's both that, uh, the best way for somebody to get on your good side, be good to one of your kids. Absolutely. The best way to get somebody on your bad side, man, be cruel to your kids, oh, yeah. terrorize your kids. Then you've got, they've got a problem with you. Well, when we realize that with God, all of a sudden it's like, okay, home is where it begins. Home is where I worship God. Home is where I'm set up. And I, and I, I would just say this to guys, cause this is just our psychology. It's just the way we're built. When we get the girl, we have to say, okay, what's the next challenge? I'm going to get promoted. I'm going to finish rebuilding the car. I'm going to become a scratch golfer. I'm going to get the biggest buck, the biggest trout, whatever we're into. And this woman that knew at one point she was number one, we would have climbed Mount Everest for her. Yeah. If there was a flower she wanted for her wedding, we would have gone up to Mount Everest and brought it down. But there's just something about we get into the routine of marriage and even sex becomes routine. And all of a sudden we just take them for granted. And often they feel like it's the greatest act of fraud they've ever witnessed. I, he would do anything for me. Now he doesn't even see me. Yeah. Now I'm invisible. And sometimes maybe even he's more interested in video games than having sex with me. And that was never him sure. before. I mean, I could barely get him to not put his hands all over me before we got married. And so I, I just want us to look at it from our wives' point of view what they've given us, their lives, their hopes, their future, their dreams, their body, their sense of security. And then we can start to treat them like servants and we take it so lightly. Yeah. Um, I, I just think we have to be careful. It is so hard not to become selfish in marriage, but it's so important not to. Yeah. I remember there was this, uh, week I was on a roll. I don't know what I was doing right. Or if I just was a good prayer time, whatever it was, I was just on a roll. Like moment after moment, I kept proving that I was just going to lay it down for her and she knew it. She felt it. And I can point to that week and tell you that was a very, very good intimate week where we, she threw herself on me. Like she was just like, there was this attraction, you know, like as the first time we saw each other. And, um, I started to see this kind of correlation of, Okay, when my wife feels loved, that she naturally actually feels drawn to me. She feels like she uh, has this desire for me, and it's not something that she has to do as her spiritual sacrifice anymore. You know, right? Yes. Talk to me a little bit about that. I know you brought up uh, sex in your book. Yeah, yeah. Well, he, here's the thing: as a woman told me one time, I, I'd been talking about sexual intimacy in marriage, and one wife said to me, "Gary, I'd love this kind of relationship. If my husband would just pray with me, he wouldn't." He wouldn't be able to handle me. I, I, he, he'd be crying uncle long before the night is through. Wow. And, and, and what she's saying, before you touch my body, touch my soul. If you're praying over me and for me, she goes, it's natural for me to respond to you physically. And I've heard that from wives time and time again. As guys, we, we kind of divorce sex from everything else. But wives, normally, it's all connected. How we've treated them. The last week, the way we speak to them, whether they feel safe, whether they feel secure, all of these things that are set up for them to feel like they can fully give themselves to us physically. And so you're right. And it's not to be manipulative, but if we're loving on them, protecting them, praying for them and over them, being good dads, 
that makes us as attractive to them as as we could be. And so if some guys want to shock your wives and really get them excited for the weekend, just go home and say, hey, babe, how do I pray for you tomorrow? What do you need me to pray for? And then she'll tell us, pray for her right there. And then say, I'm going to pray for you tomorrow. And then follow up that evening. I'm going to tell you, if you don't normally do that and you do it, you may be shocked at the response, how, how moved she is. Now, there might be some layers of frustration and contempt. I'm not saying that one thing blows everything open, sure. but it certainly can start things on a whole new uh, trajectory if we'll just do that one thing, be spiritually intimate with them. I remember uh, first coming into the marriage. I, I got married when I was 21, right? So, yeah, so I thought, you, both you know, young. so you said 22 is is young. I literally waited until the day after I turned 21 so I could <laughs> legally drink at my at my wedding. So. <laughs> So was your wife 21? No, she was uh, 25. So she's, oh my yeah. God. Okay. Yeah. Well, there so you go. There you go. I just remember coming into marriage thinking that I'm going to be a rock star at this. I got this. Um, now, mind you, my story is I carry my maternal great, great grandmother's last name because there has been that many couples within my bloodline, not married to take on the wow. man's last name. I don't have my wow. father's last name because he never claimed me. Um, I was born in a foreign country. That's just the way it works. So imagine wow. that maternal great, great grandmother. And I thought I was going to come into marriage like as a rock star. I was going to crush this thing. And quickly I started to see this one thing that um, I almost had a dual personality when it came to work and the honor and respect I had to show at work and that I had for superiors at work and the same honor and respect that or the lack of it that I would have at home. Um, I really loved uh, some of the some of the things that you wrote about about honor. Uh, could you just tell our listeners a little bit where does honor and respect fit into the marriage picture? It, it's so key. Romans twelve ten is a verse I love. It says, "Outdo one another in showing honor." So basically, the Bible's commanding me, Gary, try every day to honor your wife more than she honors you. Yeah. And for me, it was always the reverse. I wanted her to honor me. I wanted her to showcase me. And the Bible says, no, the focus should be that I'm trying to honor her more than she honors me. And I've seen it some way. I don't know if this comes from the military because um, I've also seen it with teachers. Sure. But when you're in authority, uh, listen, look, I've spoken in a lot of Fort Briggs, a lot of other places where okay. even generals, wives and whatnot. And the wife will tell me how difficult it is when she's married to a general. Yes. And there are literally tens of thousands of people that will do whatever he tells them to do. No back talk, no exactly. question. It's yes, sir. Yes, sir. It's a nice privilege. <laughs> it's hard not to turn that off when you come home. Right. And, and because you operate that way 12 hours a day. But the thing is, I've seen it with wives that are school teachers of younger kids. They're telling kids, hey, pick that up. Hey, put that down. Hey, you be quiet. Hey, you, and, and so their husbands come so home true. and they feel like, honey, I, I'm not your third grader. Okay. Right. I'm, I'm your husband. It's, it's just sort of that vocational thing where when you operate in a certain sphere all day long, it's hard to take off that hat when you get home and say, you know what? I'm here to be a servant. I'm here to love honor. Yes. I'm here to be there for. Uh, and, and, and so a friend of mine had a great 
symbol that he used to help him do this. There was a pond when he drove home. There's a pond about halfway between where he worked and his home. And he happened to be a pastor at the time. And he would just, when he would leave church, he would pray about the concerns, the people attack him. He's got to get, he'd reach the pond. He'd say, all right, Lord, I'm throwing everything in the pond. I'm not going to think about it overnight. He goes, I want to be a husband now. When I get home, help me to be present with my wife. Help me to listen to my kids. Yes. Help me to be there for my kids. So he'd do that. In the morning, he'd leave home. He'd pray for his wife and kids to have a great day. Lord, I just pray you'll be with them. I pray you meet them. Pray you strengthen them. He'd reach the pond. All right, Lord, I'm back to work. All of those things that I put in there yesterday, I'm picking back up. What are we going to do about this? How do I solve this crisis? What decision do I make? And for him, that image of the pond helped him wear those dual hats of being a dad and being a boss where he could keep those worlds so he could fully focus when he was at work. But, and this is where it's often toughest for guys, also fully focused just as much when we get home. Look, I'll say, because I know I'm talking to younger guys, those of you that have young kids, I'm speaking as an empty nester now. It is shocking how fast the years go. And you always hear older people say this, the, the years are long, but the, it, the days are long, but the years are short. Um, it feels like it's never going to end. You're so tired. I, I remember when our kids, we had three kids and I don't know, the oldest was probably 10 and they went and visited my wife's parents. I couldn't get off work. So they went. It was the first Saturday in a decade where I could wake up and say, what do I want to do today? Wow. <laughs> and I didn't even know how to answer because if, you know how it is as a young dad. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right, honey, what do we got to do? You got to do it. Yeah. Okay. I'll pick up. Yeah. I'll get that. I mean, literally to have a Saturday where I could say, what do I want? I was like, I, I, I couldn't believe it. But I'm just telling you, it's over like that. And then you go back and miss it. And I see dads with the young kids and I just want them to know, man, enjoy this season. Yeah, It goes faster than you think. And you will miss it more than you can ever know. Look, there's some real benefits about the empty nest years. I can work longer hours. My wife and I have freedom. In some ways, it can be the sweetest season of marriage because you're not you're not juggling kids and, and you've got more time and whatnot, but I really do miss those, those younger years with the, with a family. It's, there's just nothing else like it. I just want guys your age to know it is a season. So enjoy it. Don't wish it away. Gary, if you can go back and talk to your 22 year old self, that maybe the day before you got married, but you only got one minute and you get to hold them, hold his face and talk to him. What are you saying to him? I'm going to sound so repetitive, Ray. I'm sorry, but I would do the whole thing about God as your father-in-law. Your yeah. greatest need isn't to be loved. Yeah. Your greatest need is to learn how. And Gary, this is a season. Enjoy every day. Celebrate every day. Take a mental picture of every day. Because wow. you're going to look, look back later and say, this was a really good ride. I don't want to wish any of it away. I want to be home as much as I can. I'll tell you, that's hard. As a 27 year old, I want to like just conquer, you know, like I'm just one of those guys, like I can barely sit still. I'm like, what's the next project? Ray, you started your kids so young, you know, it's very likely they could all be gone. I I, I don't know if you're going to stop at three or not. I don't, I don't want to get too personal, but, but they could all be gone by the time you're 50. Right. And, and the way life goes today, 
guys are working well into their 70s, 75. My senior pastor is 83. Nice. So there will be a time when you're still relatively young, historically speaking. You can work, I can work 12 to 13, 14 hour days now. It's not a big deal. If my wife's okay with it, I don't have kids waiting for me at home. And, and, and so I, I think you've just got to accept it as a season. I know you want to conquer the world now, but uh, you will look back. What will make you happiest when you're my age, I believe, is if you have a relationship with your kids, they're following the Lord and your wife still likes you. <laughs> if you're in a miserable, distant marriage, your boys are jerks. Yeah. And your daughter doesn't want to have anything to do with you. You could be a five-star general. Right. And you're going to have a broken heart every day because of that. So Just good. think about what you're going to want when you're 60. Yeah. And my guess is you're going to want a close family, an intimate marriage, and to go as far. And, and the reality is if you have that supportive relationship with your wife and yeah. with your kids, yeah. you probably will go farther vocationally. So true. Because – because the reality is once you work much more than eight or nine hours, you're not as productive anyway. And so uh, a good family life helps keep you focused during the day more than it distracts you. I heard somebody say, you know, you you talk about having a balanced life and that you should balance uh, work and home. And somebody actually came against that and said, actually, your life should be completely unbalanced where your family is the one tipping the scale up to focus on that. And, and again, going back to understanding myself and knowing that I, I do have this tendency of running off and wanting to conquer. Um, it does start right there with, with, with those ones who, uh, who are depending on me, who are looking at me and does my life, my wife like me? She, she asked me that question the other day. She's like, do you, do you like me? I was like, yeah, babe, I love you. She's like, no, 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 no. That's not what I asked. <laughs> I got it. You love me, but do you like me? And I'm like, wow, there's a, there's a difference there. You know, you can actually choose yeah. to love somebody that you're like, I really don't like that, you know? So that's so You good. know what I think she was really asking you, Ray? Go ahead. If I could use a different word, yeah. it's a different book I wrote. It's called cherish. The one word that changes mm. everything for your marriage. It's your wife saying, do you cherish Wow. Me? And most of us on the day we got married, it's what we promised we would do. The vows yeah. are, I promise to love, honor, and cherish. Man, that's good. Until death do us part. And I never thought about the word cherish after I got married. Yeah. I said it. Um, I focused on love. But our, our wife wants to, our wives want to be cherished. They want to know they stop our heart. They want to know there's something special about them. And we promised we would do that. Right. Uh, and, and let me tell you, it's one of the best things we can do. When I really started to up my marriage from just loving my wife to loving and cherishing my wife, I remember I was speaking at a conference. Cherish is just coming out. Yeah, it, it was a book on it. I was at this huge church, and but I was feeling really sick. It was one of those awful things where, I'm sweating. I've got the fever, but they've got all these people that were there. I get through it. I get through it that night. I'm in the hotel. Have, have you ever had the flu with the fever and then it breaks and you're cold? Yes. You know, and you're shivering. Yes. And so Lisa's in bed and she, she grabs me and I said, honey, watch out. You're going to get sick. I go, this is awful. And she goes, aren't you cold? I said, yeah. And she grabs me tighter and says, I got to get you warm. Hmm. Now, right. Here's the thing. What do you think a woman will do for a guy that she knows cherishes her in, in a life when she knows her kids probably take her for granted? 
when others don't even look at her, she often feels invisible when she's maybe not all that she thought she would be. And yet she's got this man that doesn't just love her. He chairs. She's not going to want to let that go. You know what my experience is? She'll do whatever she has to do. Right. Because it's just a natural response. Being cherished is so unusual and so fulfilling. Boy, she's going to do everything she can to make sure your well-being uh, is a high priority. Yeah. And so I'm not saying we should do it for selfish reasons. Right. I am saying, though, that when we learn what it means to cherish, uh, it can take our marriage to a next level and and even call out of a new uh, a new commitment from our wives. I remember my wife asking me. <clears throat> My wife does a really good job, first of all, at honoring me, show me honor, uh, show me respect, but also honoring me to her family, to strangers, neighbors. And um, she asked me one day, she's like, why do you think it's so hard for you to, to praise me and honor me? And I'm like, what are you talking about, babe? I praise you all the time. You know, like I tell you how much I, how pretty you are. I tell you how um, awesome I think you are, how fun it is to be with you. And I, I genuinely do. She's like, well, I just noticed that when we were at uh, our friend's house, they were so easily praising you. And for me, the praise was awkward. I'm kind of just sitting there like whenever they're done, I'll, I'll, you know, move on past this. She's like, but you, you don't have such an easy time pointing it back to me, you know, pointing back to me, like, what am I uh, doing in all of this? How, where's my place in this? And she's like, I feel like because of all your accomplishments and where you are, you get so easily recognized, kind of bringing up a, a little bit of what you were saying. And I'm like, what is this woman talking about? You know, I honor her. I cherish her, right? This is my, my, um, my immaturity here. And then I start to realize what she means. And I'm like, you know what? I honor my wife with my eyes, with my attention, with my, with my thoughts. I honor her in with truth and everything. But I love how in your book you said honor isn't passive. It is active. I notice I don't actively go out of my way to show that honor. I don't actively go out and say, just not look, not to be awkward, but be like, let me tell you about my wife. You know, I just want, you know, I want to take this moment real quick and let's just point at her. She is not, here's the thing though. My wife hates being the center of attention. She does not want anybody to say kudos, good job, but just like a normal human wants to be honored and shown that she, she is valuable. Um, so that was really impactful for me. Where did that come from? Or where did you see that in your marriage? Where did you see that play out for you? Well, I'm married a last born daughter. Okay. And so I, I, look, I had a wonderful father-in-law. He's since gone to be with the Lord, but he was really focused on his sons who he thought would take over the businesses. The oldest did. And it was a different world back then where it was a little more gender based. Yeah. Um, you know, my wife was the first one to graduate from college in her family, even though she was the youngest and all that. But um, and I, I don't know that she ever felt honored at home. Hmm. And, and that was my job. You're not the last born. You're not the run of the family. You're not just dismiss you because you're a female. It's, I'm, I'm going to honor you. Uh, you're the mother of my kids. We're partners. I admire your faith before the Lord. I admire what you do. Yeah. Uh, and, and what we guys have the opportunity to do is to lift our wives above their childhood hurts mm. because every wife has it. There, there's a wife at a church here in Houston who is just larger than life. She's born in Texas, but went to New Orleans to get the Spitfire, came back to Texas. Um, 
And I, I just am, am in awe at how she can command a group, how she lights up a room. And then we heard her story growing up as a little girl, how basically she would get put on a fancy dress every day waiting for dad to come home. And uh, this when she was in kindergarten. And one day he never came home. And she was left sitting out on the curb waiting for her dad. He never came home. And she only saw him two other times the rest of her life. One of those times was six weeks before he died. And so she grew up thinking, I'm the little girl whose dad didn't think she was worth coming home to. Yeah. I picked out the prettiest dress I could find. I put on those stiff wife shoes, but he left me out on the curb. He didn't come home. So when she married Kurt, her husband, she told him basically, Kurt, I don't care how much money we make, how big our house is. I just want to be cherished. Kurt figured out that for Laura to be cherished, he had to get home on time. He married a woman with a real past who was left waiting on the curb, right. whose dad didn't think she's worth coming home to. He didn't want her as a wife to think that. So he would leave the office every day at six. And you know what? It held back his advancement. His boss sometimes would be upset. Coworkers would be upset. But here's how he explained it to me. I, I didn't make a promise to cherish my boss. I never made a pledge in a church to cherish my coworkers. I said, I'm going to cherish my wife. I want her to know she's worth coming home to on time. Yeah. And they've been married almost 40 years now, Ray. And she told me the best part of every day is 615. I hear that electric garage door opener kick on. And I know my man is coming home to see me. I love that. And so that lifetime of honoring his wife by saying you're worth coming home to on time lifted her from this girl who thought she had nothing because even her dad didn't think she's worth coming home to now to commanding a room, being a great Bible study teacher, being a great hostess. Every guy is married to a woman who had these hurts yeah. growing up. Yeah. Our job is to figure out what are those hurts? How do I honor them away? Yeah. How do I say, I know that's what your imprinting was when you were a little girl. I'm your husband. I'm going to help you look at yourself differently. I'm going to treat you differently. I want to unleash all of that powerful womanhood that God has given you by honoring you and cherishing you and loving you so that you could be the woman God created you to be. The challenge is too often as husbands, we want to turn our wife. And this is so horrendous, but it's true. How do I turn my wife into a love Gary like he wants to be loved machine? It's so narcissistic. Yeah. <laughs> it's so selfish. Instead of how do I help love you and honor you so that you become the woman God created you to be? Two different views of marriage. Right. And uh, I would just urge the husbands, if you really want to know where marriage takes off, get that second view. How do I help you grow past those hurts? How do I honor you so you can really be who God created you to be and not try to reduce you to a just love me like I want to be love machine as if that's all that matters. Gary, your assistant shared with me that your book just finally made it on the million books sold list. Yeah. yeah. How do you feel about that? I mean, I've wanted to be a writer my whole life Okay. in part because there's nothing else anybody would pay me to do. <laughs> I, I am shockingly limited in my skill set. I'm a mechanical idiot. Okay. I would not do well in your profession, Ray. I don't like to be in charge of people, sure. right? I don't, I, I don't like to do budgets. I don't like to do numbers. I love words. I like to write. And, but having a book sell a million copies, uh, 
95% of books sell 5,000 copies or less. Wow. So the books just don't move that much. So to have one that not only sells more than five, that that gets to a million. Yes. For me, it really was, um, I I was just touched on it. It it still gets me because I, I think of all of my weaknesses, all the things I could still be doing better. But, but for me and my profession, that is like one of those accomplishments where I'm like, well, that, that one went all right. Yeah. Uh, And so, uh, yeah, I've, it was meaningful. Well, I applaud you on that, on that accomplishment. And I'm very, I'm very, very happy to have been part of that crowd that got you there. And I Thank am you. hopeful that Would every single another hour, 100%. <laughs> um, I'm hopeful that every single listener here uh, would be um, part of that, that crowd that gets you to the next milestone. Um, real quick, Thank can you, you let us know where to find you, where to find your content sure. um, and, and everything else that you are doing in your ministry? The easiest way is just to go to my website, GaryThomas.com, G-A-R-Y Thomas.com. It lists all the books. I've got a blog on marriage that you could look at, uh, free resources. You could order any of the books you want off that, but that's probably the best way. It's got also all the, if anybody's into Twitter, Facebook or whatnot, Instagram, it's got all the links to that as well. Excellent. Gary, thank you so much for for taking your time um, and just kind of, doing this with me today. I'm so appreciative of it. Would you be able to, uh, to pray for our audience real quick, just for these young men, uh, in their marriages? I'd be honored to. Thank you. Lord, I thank you for Ray. I thank you for creating him. And I thank you for revealing your power, breaking Lord's generations of a lack of there being a father that he's not doing that with his kids. And so I pray your protection over him that he would finish this work, that he would be as solid as they come as far as being a father and a husband. Uh, and Lord, I pray through for him and for every male listening here, Lord, that these words, Father, that your spirit would bring conviction where appropriate, would bring encouragement, would bring empowerment. Lord, what you ask of us, loving somebody who stumbles in many ways, is bigger than any of us can handle. But that's why you give us your Holy Spirit. You don't ask us to love our wives alone. You want to love our wives through us. So Lord, help us draw closer to you so that we can draw closer to our wives. We pray in Jesus name. Amen. Gentlemen, I hope that you were so encouraged and moved by that episode. I really, really appreciate you staying all the way to the end. Thank you so much for tuning in. Guys, if you have not checked out Gary Thomas after that uh, first part of our conversation, I want you to go ahead and do that right now. All those links are going to be down below. Make sure that you share this stuff. Share it with the men around you. The worst thing that you can do is have information and not disseminate it to the people around you. It's have wisdom and not give it out. Guys, so podcasts like these is also another form of wisdom and another form of ministry that is just out there to help men. So do share this podcast and make sure that you yourself subscribe to this podcast so that you'll be notified the next time I post other podcast episodes just like this one. If you haven't done so already, check out our Made to Rain, check out our website at madeterrain.org. There we'll have more podcasts, videos, and other resources that will help you on your walk with Jesus. Until next time, continue to march.
I want to take a quick moment and thank all of our patrons. Guys, if it wasn't for you, this ministry would not be what it is. Our patrons are guys on Patreon who are giving to us financially every single month, as little as $5. These men are making such a difference. They're the reason why this podcast is getting to your ear. So guys, again, thank you so much to my patrons. If you want to become a patron, please consider going down to the link below. Click that become a patron uh, link and that would lead you to Patreon. And again, with just as little as $5, you'll be part of that motivated tier. And I'd love to engage with you guys there. (laughs) 